It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Welcome to another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today is considered one of the greatest wrestlers from the mid-1980s until the 2000s. He is a multi-time NWA WCW world champion, multi-time NWA WCW world tag team champion, and the longest reigning U.S. heavyweight champion in history. And he's authored a book called Wrestling with the Devil. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Lex Luger. Lex, thanks for coming on today. Hey, Brian. Glad to be here. Thanks for the great intro, man. Wow, you made me sound really good. Well, you were really good and still are, so I appreciate you coming on today. Let's talk a little bit, if we can. Thank uh, you. You bet. Let's talk a little bit about growing up. Uh, what was your upbringing like for you? And uh, where'd you grow up? I had a... I, okay, go ahead. I finished what you were saying. I was just going to say, Lex, uh, just tell us how you grew up and where you grew up at, sir. Okay. I had a great upbringing and beautiful Buffalo, New York, okay. home of the Buffalo Bills, Bill Bills, <laughs> yeah. and um, the uh, love sports, as you can tell. That's Buffalo's a great sports town. We had, at the time when I grew up, we had an NBA team, the Buffalo Braves. We had the Buffalo Sabres, which we still have, and the Bills. So, mm-hmm. man, Buffalo's a huge blue-collar, great people. They call it the city of good neighbors. It was, a, it was just a great place to grow up. Uh, great family, my mom and dad. Uh, mom just passed recently. My dad passed a while back. But uh, just uh, I got a brother and sister, older brother and sister. We uh, we just had a, a great upbringing, uh, great town. I, I just fell in love with sports and started playing all the sports. I ended up being a football player. But uh, just uh, great, great childhood memories growing up in uh, beautiful Buffalo. Awesome. That's great. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, obviously you're very athletic. Uh, you played sports, you said, uh, went to college. Uh, did you go on a football scholarship or did you? Okay. I, I did. I, uh, my parents were, my parents were all musical. My dad was a virtuoso pianist. Oh, wow. My sister, incredible musician, my brother, my mom's dad played in the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra. He played 12 instruments, all self-taught. Wow. So I was the 
black sheep of the family wanted to do sports. I had to forge my permission slip to play football my freshman year. My dad didn't even know I was playing football. My dad thought, because why would you want to run into other people? That's like roaming gladiator. Why, why would you want to do that rather than play an instrument? So he actually made me do one musical thing in high school. When he found out I was playing, he goes, if you're going to play sports, number one, you got to get uh, a, average A's in school. Wow. He said number two, which was good. Uh, number two, you better carry an A average, 90 or better. He goes, number two, he goes, you got to do one musical thing. So I ended up singing in the high school choir. Wow. I used to get, get razzed for that for all my football, basketball teammates. Man, they used to put us in robes for the Christmas concerts. Man, unbelievable. I actually did pretty good at it. I, I can't, my, my voice has changed through the years, but I was actually, I don't tell many people this, Brian, but I was in the sweet 16 Coraliers. In high school, eight guys and eight women. It was like the elite singing group. Wow. Yeah, so I actually ended up doing pretty good with the music thing. But I just, but I was in love with sports. I originally in middle school wanted to be an Olympic decathlon champion. Oh. Uh, Then I I wanted to be an NBA star, and I stopped rowing at 6'4". So I go, well, I don't think there's too many 6'4 power forwards in the NBA. Yeah. Although Charles Barkley, he wasn't much taller than me. But anyways, I found out that I was best suited physically for football. Yeah. So um, I uh, ended up going to playing at college at Miami, Florida. I went to Penn State my freshman year. But growing up in Buffalo, which I loved, I, I was wanting to get away from all that cold weather. Yeah. So I went one year at Penn State. I immediately transferred down to Sunshine U. University of Miami, yeah. and uh, that's where I did my college. While I played there a year, got kicked out, which is a whole other story. But, but how did you get kicked out of University of Miami back then? I go, it wasn't easy. Um, <laughs> I go, I kind of dragged them to death until they had to get throw me out of there. Um, then um, I ended up going up to the Canadian Football League early. I was 19 at the time. Okay. Uh, you couldn't play in the NFL yet after I got kicked out of Miami and ended up playing there for almost three seasons. I went to Green Bay for almost two years. Then I went to the USFL, which is back uh, now. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, we uh, I played for the uh, Tampa Bay Bandits, Coach Spurrier, the ball coach. Mm-hmm. And we used to outdraw the Tampa Bay Bucks in the Tampa. They loved us, the Tampa Bay Bandits back then. Yeah. And then I – Ended up uh, with Memphis Showboats, played with Reggie White. So okay. had a had a pretty colorful seven year career. But in Memphis, every Memphis is a Jerry King the Lawler yeah. wrestling town, right, Brian? Yes, so sir. <laughs> everywhere I went, because I loved working out in the weights, even in the football locker room. I had I had quite the physique by then. I was always breaking all the bench press records, and I loved working out. Trained under a world champion powerlifter. Back in high school, Don Reinhouse. So I loved the gym. Yeah. So football was, I, I was so I was even the even in the football locker room had that physique going on already. And they're like, man, wow. like, you should be a wrestler. But everywhere I went in Memphis, they asked me if I was a wrestler. I go, no, I'm I'm a football player. What are you, <laughs> what are y'all talking about? And uh, but that kind of planted the seed. So in the off season, I was living in 
Florida time for having played for Tampa. Mm-hmm. And I uh, walked into Championship Wrestling of Florida. They introduced me to Hiro Matsuda, who trained Hogan and broke Hogan's leg. Um, yeah. And trained a bunch of the top guys. Mr. Wonderful Pondorf. Hiro Matsuda fell in love with me because I loved working out. He worked out with me, did everything. I was in the ring like in the offseason like four months later. Oh, wow. made my debut, and the rest is history. It was a 15-year, like, 4th of July fireworks. Wrestled every top guy. Yeah. I mean, you name it. The Four Horsemen, the the Slam Heard Around the World on uh, with Yokozuna on the Intrepid, Alex Express, Monday Night Wars. Man, all the way from 86 to 01. Wow. Yeah, you had an amazing career. I want to talk a little bit about training under Hero. Okay. I heard, you know, I know about the uh, Hulk Hogan leg breaking. Uh, oh, heroes, the hero's legendary for a lot of reasons. But yeah, yeah. He, but, you know, he did everything with you. He was incredible. Okay. Every push up, every Hindu squat. You had to do like a thousand Hindu squats without stopping before he'd even take you in the ring. Oh, wow. I mean, he turned the air conditioning off down in Tampa. <laughs> he had a textile factory. He had to run five miles in the afternoon and come back and do all your push ups and Hindu squats. Until you could do a 300 push-ups uh, with him doing 30, you doing 30, 10 sets, and then uh, 500 Hindu squats and 500 jump squats took you about hour and a half, two hours to complete. Wow! And he wouldn't even take you to the ring uh, until you could complete that. And very oh, wow. few guys could ever even complete that. There'd yeah. be him and I would do that. Be a puddle, a puddle of sweat yeah. on the floor in that textile. It was probably 120 degrees in there. I mean, like, it was unbelievable. Huge wow. puddle of sweat. But what a great guy. Trained guys, Brian, just for the intrinsic uh, admiration, appreciation of what – he was a judo champion mm-hmm. and knew all the hooks. Stuff yeah. I saw he broke over his leg. Uh, fortunately, he didn't do any of that to me. Uh, he, he, admired, he, he liked my worth ethic. Mm-hmm. And I told him, do I have to learn any of those hooks and stuff? He goes, no, nah, wrestling's changed. He goes, you – you don't need to know that stuff. And uh, <laughs> but I graduated. He told me I was probably the fastest graduate. Oh wow! From starting the training, not to brag, but I will. There um, you go. <laughs> from starting in the in the in the sweat sweat uh, mill to getting to making my debut as a wrestler, he said I was the fa- uh, fastest anybody's ever done it. Wow! It about four months. Yeah. Wow. And we took you in the ring, uh, Brian. He would have you for a whole week just hit the ropes and take return buckles to your whole body, your back, your sides were completely purple and blue. Yeah. I mean, then he'd have you hit the ropes in that following week and take a, take your own bump, jump as high as you can in the air and take bumps and learn how to take bumps for a whole week. I mean, he had a progression, mm-hmm. old school. And then he'd start whole uh, uh, an arm drag. Uh, you're you're the one being arm dragged. Uh, <laughs> how to, how to, and then he'd slam you. He'd have you take all the bumps from other guys yeah. for a few weeks, and then he'd start you giving other guys the bumps and how to do it. He had a progression. Yeah. Then he finally took you in the chain wrestling, okay, and the ring uh, progression, and he worked it starting out maybe thirty seconds, then a minute, so you could get up to like five minutes of chain wrestling. Then he'd finally let you get up on your feet and do a few. Uh, high spots and things like that, and leapfrogs and tackles and stuff, uh, wow. drop downs. But yeah, that was like a four month process. But Jeez. he was very thorough. He was, uh, he even 
for the first time ever managed me. He was he was so good with me. He wanted to make sure because he felt like I I really kind of rushed Lex out there. Yeah. But I think he's ready. But I want to be ringside for you in case you get lost, which I did, and to, <laughs> so, to help you along. So the first few, a couple months I was there, he actually went to all my matches and went ringside with me. Here, the legendary hero Matsuda. Yeah. So wow. I, I am so thankful. I have so much gratitude. Yeah. Towards I never wanted to charge me a dime or a penny to any of the guys, not just me. Yeah. He just loved wrestling. He loved the sport. He loved the fans, and he wanted to see guys he thought had a lot of ability thrive and carry on for, like, the next generation. What a what a guy. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about Hero. He's one of yeah. the few trainers that taught you the right way. I mean, back then even, you know, I'm talking Hero, uh, Vern Gagne, Eddie Sharkey are the names that come to mind for trainers. So you're very fortunate. Yeah. And I mean, one of the – one of the things, Brian, with Hero, this isn't an excuse for my limited repertoire in the ring that I'm accused of, but Matsuda drilled into me. He goes, look, he goes, drop kickers and high spot guys. Uh, you're, he goes, you're very athletic, but you have, you see this, they're a dime a dozen. He goes, but you have a look, yeah. a powerful look and physique. He goes, I want you to work a certain way and do less is more with you. I want you to do uh, clotheslines and just more of a ground attack because I don't want to see you climbing up the ropes because I want you to be a fundamentally sound, mm-hmm. uh, snug worker who looks authentic. He goes, you're explosive. When you come mm-hmm. out, when, I want, when you hit a turnbuckle, I want you to move the whole ring if you can. I, I want you to explode off the ropes and explode out of the corner of some of the turnbuckles and clothesline them. And he said, I want you to do less things uh, with, with a lot of authenticity he goes, that's going to be your ticket. Yeah. Even the way you sell, I want you to show your body. Um, that doesn't mean you don't sell, but right. He goes, but he, he goes, you tell, I want you to learn to relax your body. Then you're not, I don't want you to be a robot. Too, too many muscle guys are robots in there. Mm-hmm. Cause I want you to learn that because you got a great body. So when you sell, I want you to really loosen up and sell. And that I struggled with that. Like a lot of the mm-hmm. football players and, Guys do because you you're worried about how you look and you you tighten up and don't have that free flowing kind of Barry Windham sell right. Yeah. yeah. I ne- of course, I never got to that level, but Matt Suda wanted me to always. He goes, he goes, I don't ever want you in your career. I always keep, they're going to ask you to to do a lot of stuff. He goes, I want you to keep it more basic. He goes, that's going to be your money. Yeah. That always was kind of in the back of my mind. That's my excuse for never being a really advanced worker in the ring. <laughs> Hey, I got to tell you, you, for your size, and you had a lot of athletic ability. And I know people say you were kind of, you know, stiff or whatever. But, you know, for your size and what you did in the ring, I mean, I was, you know, I grew up in the 80s watching, you know, when you came out. uh, I thought you were fantastic. You were one of the first ones with that physique and being able to do what you do because, like, like you said earlier, a lot of guys were stiff that are that big and that muscular. So kudos to you, my friend. I want to talk a little bit about Florida. I did the best I could. I'll never be, I'll never be regarded in the, as far as my in-ring work or Mike is one of the best ever. But I, I did maintain uh, Metsu says, take care of your body. That's going to mm-hmm. be your, 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 your money ticket. And yeah. he was right. I mean, I had 
15 years worked every top guy and was never and I, I don't I don't mind admitting it, one of the top workers. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect now, I, I think I maybe could have honed in. I, I took some of that for granted because I got on top right away. There's mm-hmm. some things I think I could have worked harder at and been better at uh, that I had the ability to do, but kind of took for granted. Yeah. Uh, but uh, overall, I, I did always have that, once again, the back of my mat series, I don't try to do too much, you know. So <laughs> that always resonated for, to me, yeah. Yeah. Well, you but know, he was, getting back to Matt Stewart, he was, boy, what a blessing to have him yeah. be the guy who broke me into training because, boy, he trained a lot of big stars. He, he did. He did. Scott Hall, he trained Scott. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He he, he is a well known trainer, no mm-hmm. doubt. You know, you got out, you were in Florida, you got on top pretty quick, like you said. Uh, oh, yeah. I remember you in the magazines. You were in Florida. You're the Southern or Florida champion for a while. Then you moved. Uh, to well, the- yeah, I got a credit there. Bill After. Yeah. And George Apaltano and those photographers and the magazine guys. Man, even when I was in Florida, they would put me all over those magazines. Yeah. Everybody's like, man, you're all over the. Yeah. Which which back then they, they those were big. Mm-hmm. Getting guys over and who they put on the covers of the mags and everything. Yep. So I owe a lot of gratitude to Bill and George and them as well, because they yeah. really, they plastered me everywhere yeah, when I just, first started, which I, I didn't realize at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot about wrestling coming from football, but mm-hmm. that was, that was big, Brian. Oh yeah, Lex, it was, yeah. it was huge because I'll be honest, uh, unless the magazines were out, I mean, we didn't get Florida. I'm from Wisconsin. Originally. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, Green Are you Bay. a Packer fan? I am. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I yeah. love Green Bay. Yeah. So, uh, I didn't know about you until the magazines would come out and you were on there. I was like, who is this guy? You know? And then yeah. we started getting cable and all of a sudden you were in uh world championship wrestling in, uh, in Atlanta and you came on and I want to know what that feeling was like for you when you went in and how did they approach you with, okay, you're going to be a horseman. How did that come about? I didn't really understand. I knew it was big. Everybody, that's big. You're going to be a horseman. I go, yeah, that big. They go, I couldn't have told you what Arn or Tully or JJ looked like. I had wrestled Rick down in Florida, but I'd never watched the four horsemen. Mm-hmm. So I went up there uh, for my first TV tape. That's the first time I believe that I actually met and knew what JJ and Tully and Arn looked like and Oli. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> wow. Yeah, but Rick went back after he wrestled me in Florida and gave me such who I owe great unbelievable gratitude as well in the business, um, along with Dusty, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, when uh talking up so much with the Crockets that they couldn't wait they man, they wanted to, they couldn't wait to bring me in and they and Oli wanted to just be part time, so they said, Why don't we you know, we could give the horseman a bit of a different look with the Muscle guys, the Road Warriors were big then. Yeah. The muscle type physique was just starting to come on to Hogan, of course. So like, man, let's give the horseman like a, a muscle guy. Yeah. That might be something good. And boy, I had no idea how big, yeah. how huge yeah. that was till I got there. Yeah. And they, man, the first time I went on TV, they go, what, what's your finish? And I go, well, I, I do like forearms and clotheslines. I go, oh, Dusty and Flair, uh, more Dusty came up with the, uh, a backbreaker. Hey, pick one of these guys up in a backbreaker. This is right before I went out for my first match on the 605 TBS taping. 
and they go, because I wasn't a horseman yet, and they go, yeah. oh, they, and Dusty and Flair said, oh, that looks good, because it showed my body when I got a guy up on my shoulders. Yeah. And uh, I go, that's it. I went out and did the power slam torture rack, and the rest was history. But Dusty and Flair spent so much time. And Tony and Arm, we used to go to a, a barn outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, where I moved to, mm-hmm. and work with me on, on during the week on, on wrestling. Because yeah. they, they worked at such a high level. Mm-hmm. They didn't want me to be a total embarrassment out there with them. And uh, they, I mean, but to think about those guys have families and stuff to do when they're not working. Mm-hmm. Well, back then we wrestled, you know, three or nights a year. They would get up in the morning and take me down wrestling. And what the way wow. Flair and Dusty worked to me, I'm trying to learn how to talk on the microphone and, and give me a finish and just the storylines and yeah man that i what a like you said what a huge break to break in with the four horsemen have flair and dusty micromanaging my every move and interview wow unbelievable i was gonna well you answered two of my questions put on the map right right you you answered my question about the torture rack where that came from so Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Who come up with your yeah. uh, who came up with your name the total package? Who who started that one? Was that Dusty? Dusty. I knew it. <laughs> oh, he's so creative. He goes, he goes, listen, I, I don't do the good Dusty, but I want you to I want you to be the brains and the brawn. You're a, you went to college and I want you to I want you to listen, baby, I want you to go out there and talk <laughs> articulate and use big words. He goes, You use big words, use them big words, he said. He goes, he goes, I want you to gloat over the fans that you're smarter than everybody. You're better built and you're, you're this and that. He goes, he goes, I want you to be the, the whole package out there. And then Flair and him were joking around. Yeah, the total package. And there you go. So they came up with that and go, yeah, let's call him. Let's see his nickname be the total package. Like brains and brawn and smarts and you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Which I didn't mind. Right. Yeah. Right. Who wouldn't want to be called the total package? <laughs> so I didn't argue with him on that one, Brian. Uh, I bet you didn't, Lex. I bet no. you did not. So well, Matt Sud always told me to listen no, and don't 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 open your mouth unless you have to. So yeah, right. No, I I get it. You, yeah. So you you escalated really quickly in Georgia. Oh man. You you went. You got became the U.S. champion. Just uh, by just by association, right? I mean, being a horseman. <laughs> Then, then Flair, the world title, I had the U.S. title, which ended up being the longest to this day, the longest reigning yeah. U.S. champ. My first really – well, I won the Southern title in Florida. Right. But the U.S. title is my – I can tell you right now, I've, I've had tag team world titles and Crockett mm-hmm. Cups and – but 
my all-time favorite title is sentimental favorite is the U.S. title. It's the only title I have at my house here. Oh, okay. Wow. That's the awesome. original Crockett NWU. I have a, a perfect replica made. Uh, Reggie Harps, my belt guy. You know Reggie, right? Yep. Yep. Yes. And I do. He, he got me made an authentic, like, perfect replica of the U.S. title. I got it sitting about 30 feet from me at the house right now. He's, wow. Uh, that's very special to me. When I go to oh, yeah. speaking engagements at schools with kids and, and, uh, and uh, if I go to corporate or churches when I speak, I mean, I I take it. They, they'd rather they better get a picture with the belt than me. I mean, they, <laughs> the, the be, they love that. You know, everybody loves to get a picture holding the belt, right? Yeah, that's so, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that I had the U.S. belt, Tony and Arnold, the world titles, a, a, a tag team champions, right? So we had the world title, the tag team belts, the yeah. U.S. belt. We 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 were the bad guys. Everybody loved to hate. That's right. Yeah, it yeah. was it was great. I remember it so well. You know, uh, Lex, can we talk a little about when you won your first world title, uh, Great American Bash against right. your against your good friend Barry Windham? There, what was that moment like for you when you got that title? Well, of course, it was a big moment. It was supposed to be with Flair, however, mm. so it was also kind of nerve wracking because we had to really last minute Flair had gone on, which I never had people ask, well, do you, you think he ran out on your, ran off title? No, I go, Rick did what, business-wise, what Rick felt he had to do to take care of his family. That was the business end of wrestling. It wasn't personal against me. Rick and I always got along great. Yeah. I'm so thankful to Rick for all he's done in my career. I wasn't mad at Rick at all, but we had we didn't have a belt made. So yeah. we had, we had a, a, a faceless kind of belt that said, don't hold it up to, to hard cameras. So it was kind of nerve-wracking. They brought in all the bells with that one Harley race, one of the greatest ever mm-hmm. in Baltimore at the yeah. bash there. Uh, Cause uh, to make up for it, they gave me a, a bodyguard with Mr. Hughes and, and they gave me all the bells and whistles. And, uh, and they had me turn heel on Barry with the pile drop with Harley's pile driver. Uh, so we did the very best we could, could with it uh, as far as the adversity of flair, not being there. Mm-hmm. And we made the best of it. But it was it was still a very special moment, obviously. Yeah. Win my first world title. It was a picture of me with it in the back that uh, either George or Bill After took, and I I loved that picture. I was covered in sweat with yeah. my yellow tights on. It's one of my favorite photos that I that I've ever seen out of like, out of the wrestling magazine. So yeah, very special. Your first world title. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, later on, a little bit later, you went to the WWF. Right, mm-hmm. and you were the known at first as the narcissist. The bodybuilder first, yeah, for a year. Yeah, you were that. And then I you had to the... non-compete, Brian. So I had, to, I had to sign my first year there as a bodybuilder because I couldn't. WCW enough sue me over that, but uh, I digress. But I settled out of court. Yeah, <laughs> I did a one-year bodybuilding contract. Uh, I had the motorcycle wreck and couldn't do the contest. But then, gosh, by a miracle, of God, I was near fatal motorcycle wreck. I think. But eight months later, I made my debut at the at the with uh, Bobby Heenan. Yeah, well, yeah. I think it was a Royal Rumble out in Sacramento. Wow. So yeah, that was that was quite the quite the transition. I, I was ready. I, uh, WCW was uh, what were was in kind of disarray at the time mm-hmm. with the, with the talent and the guys. And, and I'm not saying anything that most guys wouldn't agree with at the time. Right. And um, they didn't have a clear direction. And they were in transition. 
So uh, I thought that was, if I was ever going to go to WWF and and uh, yeah. try to make it as a top guy there, that this was my chance. Yeah. So there I went as, as a narcissist. Now, originally, I kind of wanted to stay the total package like Sluger, but Vince likes to trademark you. He <laughs> <I> does. <laughs> originally, he wanted to call me just the nar- narcissist. Okay. And I was like, man, I don't, that, I don't like the sound of that. So we compromised and said, uh, the narcissist Lex Luger. So Vince kind of actually met me halfway on that. Yeah. So I go, well, Vince, don't you think the fans kind of, I'm not like a brand new guy. The fans kind of really know me as Lex Luger total package. So if you're going to call me the narcissist, which wasn't a stretch of my character. Cause when I was a heel. I can be pretty arrogant. Right. I was told I was also <laughs> pretty arrogant in real life back then. So I go, so I don't think the fans would, not buying to me being called the nar- narcissist, but if you just obliterate Lex Luger, I, some of the fans, there is a crossover from WCW to WWF. So Vince bought into that. He was flexible. So that's how I was. The narcissist Lex Luger was born. Okay. I love doing that. I wish I could have done the narcissist for a year or two, but yeah. Vince thought that Hogan was, was not coming back and Brett had talked about retirement. Oh, wow. So he's okay. like, I need a baby face. I need a baby face. So, there you go. Slam her around the world, Yokozuna, and less on the bus. Yeah, I want to talk about that. That the was bus. A dramatic. That was a dramatic. That was dramatic. I go. I was. He brought me in the office, Vincent. He was like, "I'm gonna uh, have you slam Yokozuna." I go. Yeah, but I'm the narcissist. He goes, "We're gonna put you in red, white, and blue. And you're gonna slam them, and you're gonna get on a bus. And it's gonna work." I was like, "Yes, sir." But I, I was. <laughs> I had my doubts. You know, I'm like, oh, "Man, that's awful quick." But yeah. you know, when Vince makes up his mind, that's it. Vince has made up his mind. He's the boss. So. There we go. Yeah. So Lex Luger made in USA was born in the Lex Express. Let's say, so, you know, you got a little push there, but why don't. Why oh, I got a big push. Well, you got a big push, but I mean, you never you had a title, though. I mean, I'm wondering why that didn't occur. Is that, I mean, because, you know, I watched you back then, Lex. You were so good. You had every, all the tools. You had all the, the, the look everything and it just seemed like i don't know it just you, i thought you should have had that a title the intercontinental title the world title something and it just for some reason i just want to know maybe you have a viewpoint on why you didn't ever have that opportunity yeah number one people ask me oh did he promise you and change his mind no i go vince never promised me the title the only thing uh vince who I, him and I personally used to train at the gym together and okay. we were very close personally. So mm-hmm. Vince wanted, if I did get the world title rather than Detroit at SummerSlam, he wanted to milk it. And he thought, because whenever I went to the garden, Madison Square Garden, Vince always stood the curtain. I go, why does Vince always stand the curtain there? He goes, he goes the garden's the measuring stick, it's the barometer. I go, what do you mean? Go, Vince's dad always stood there and gauged the crowd when guys would come out new guys or whatever, see how the crowd responded. Was there a buzz in the air? That was the benchmark. Okay. How did the garden re- respond to you when you came out to the ring? And uh, so Vince, that would that held true. Vince said, if if, you, if I put the world title on, I want it to be special. And if we do, I'd rather wait till WrestleMania 10, which was a big one, yeah. in the garden. Okay. Now things happened uh, between, by the time Yoko and Taker had a great angle together and uh, Brett decided he still wanted to wrestle. Brett was a great champion. He's a, a wrestler's wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, 
my angle I did with Borga, he was a new worker and we didn't click real good. Uh, mm -hmm. There wasn't a, like a real war going on back then. So the, uh, instead of going back to being Lex Luger, number one, when you get built up that big for some of them, some of the experts, and I'm not an expert on psychology of wrestling fans who are the greatest thought, Lex, they should have put the belt on you at SummerSlam, let the balloons out of the ceiling. And then even if it was a, uh, the Monday night raw, Mm -hmm. uh, two, uh, a night or two later had Yoko obviously uh, somehow steal the belt back off you and then then do the angle and have rematch, your rematch maybe at Wrestlemania 10, let him run with Taker. Okay. So a lot of people felt that it kind of let the air out of the tires of the Lex Luger main USA character and they left me that character. I always thought I haven't really talked about this but I thought I was going to do the Lex Luger Lex Express thing uh, made in USA through SummerSlam and go back to being Lex Luger, the total package. Yes. Yeah. And when that didn't happen, I, I kind of had that lingering, let's not call it scent of not coming through in the big SummerSlam. Yeah. I'll say scent instead of any other words. I kind of had that <laughs> smell about me. And because the fans love you and they wanted you to win, when you disappoint yeah. them like that, a lot of them say that could have been the kiss of death in your career. To get yeah. that big a buildup and not come through, that might have, a lot of guys wouldn't sort of have survived that. Yeah. Because the fans get so into it and you, it was such a big disappointment. So, but obviously my career endured and I yeah. ended up, you know, back at WCW and uh, remained as, a, as one of the top guys, got to wrestle all the other top guys. So I survived SummerSlam, yeah. but I look at back finally, it was a great uh, promotion the bus thing was tiring and exhausting, but uh, it, it, but it was good at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, obviously, like on the '80s special, they showed a lot of excerpts that they kind of added and made it look like I hated it. But really, there was a good response. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I got exhausted sometimes and tired. I could be moody back then. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but they kind of highlighted that on A and E, which I loved. They did a great job in the A and E special. Yeah. They really did. I love. I had such a wonderful response from fans and, and everybody, even the other boys about that any special. They like, like uh, Bully Ray from Sirius Angel. He goes, he tweeted it right afterwards and, and he said, will you please come on our program the next morning after it shows on Sunday nights. Those yeah. 80 he just, Bully Ray tweeted, wow. Oh, wow. Because people didn't know my personal life, tumultuous, with drugs and alcohol, and then the spinal cord injury. Uh, one of those things, like things were going to go good, and then a spinal cord injury paralyzed from neck down. He was just like, "Oh wow, I didn't know all that, Lex." And yeah. uh, we had we had a lot of fun to interview the next day. But the fan, the response from that special that showed my progression through all that and where where I'm at now in my life, yeah, by the grace of God, is just uh, I got an unbelievable response from. Almost everybody, but with that A and E, they did a really yeah, good job. They, they did. They did a fantastic job with mm -hmm. that. In my opinion. Yeah. No. Exactly. No. I agree. Uh, when you went back to WCW, that great entrance in Mall of America. Oh man. And and the the pop that happened that night. Uh, How was that for you coming back to basically your stomping grounds, where you basically got your big start? And coming back, what was that like mm. for you, my friend? I was nervous. 
And I mean, they hid me. None of the boys knew I was coming in other than Sting. And I think they told Hogan uh, and Eric because uh, the internet was just starting to hit back then. They did, they wanted to be a total surprise. So um, I was nervous and what the reaction might be. But man, the crowd had a great response. And even a lot of the guys in the ring even didn't know I was going to be out there and around the ring, the announcers. So they were, it was genuine. It was authentic. Yeah. Because a lot of the guys didn't know. Yeah. I, they brought me out from the other side of the mall to the, to the position to go out and say, what's he doing here? I just worked house shows and TVs for New York that, that weekend. There wow. I am Monday night at the Mall of America. What, what's what's Luger doing here? Yeah. So the crowd loved it. Uh, it really launched me into the, uh, to be a, the, just the honor to be a part of that whole Monday Night War thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, wow. I mean, what a way to launch it. And it yeah. got a great response. It, 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 oh, yeah. it felt really good, Brian. Yeah, I bet it really it, felt really, really good. One of the high spots in my career for yeah. sure. I got to tell you, I was when you walked out, I'll never forget it. I was watching it, and I was like, I just saw him on TV the other night in WWF. What's he doing there? They had and, to pull me out of some of their other shows because they had me in the shows that they had pre-taped. They had to pull me out of them. Yeah, that's crazy, wow. but but it worked. I mean, you got you know you mm-hmm. had a, you had a good run, and then. When you guys when you guys were battling, excuse me, the NWO for a while, and then you joined uh, Wolfpack, right? What was that was huge? Wow! Yeah, that was huge. Talk to us a little about how that run was for you. I mean, you, I mean, there was a big war back then. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending. Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I mean, my, my biggest, people ask me my biggest uh, good guy, uh, babyface run, um, there's two. Um, I'd have to rank the Lexus Express thing third uh, okay. and second place was my initial run when I, I uh, left the horseman. Okay. That was a big baby face run with flair. Yeah. We sold yeah. out everywhere. Yeah. And I was, I was red hot as a baby face. Yeah, you were. Yes. You That's were when nice. I was really muscled up before I went to Vince. They did all the drug testing and the fans were like, Whoa, this guy, they, I had a good run there with Nate. We, yeah. We sold out like everyone had to head with WWF at the time. And we we're both in Philly. We outdrew them. I mean, we yeah. sold out everywhere, Rick and I. The fans were hot uh, <laughs> for that run for me as a babyface. But really, the slow buildup of the Monday Night Wars with me as with Sting coming out of the rafters. Yeah. But me being kind of, me and maybe DDP kind of being in the, 
And uh, at the time, uh, Big Show, the giant, as the kind of the main faces. But man, I was like the guy got left laying every night. <laughs> and it ended up being the fans really started like rooting for me. Yeah. That's the first time I got that real baby face sympathy uh, behind me from the fans. They wanted to see somebody put a whooping or get something on the NWO. It was heat, 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 yeah. heat. They're throwing stuff. Through. I used to be in the ring at the end of the tapings on <clears throat> at the end of the shows on Monday Night Raw, uh, not Raw, Nitro. And the fans were so mad that we all got laid out at the end of the show. <laughs> they would throw anything and everything into the ring. Now, NW to bail, I'd be covered nachos and tobacco spit. <laughs> I mean, they threw everything in there. Yeah. Banana peels. I used to have to go back they want to try to leave the crowd happy. I used to go back and have to try to clean up and come back out and wrestle a dark match. Ah, uh, okay. And get him win. But I was so covered in junk that I started just going to the back and showering with all my boots and tights on and coming back out for the crowd, soaking wet from the shower, my boots uh, squishing to wrestle because I couldn't get all the stuff off me. So... But uh, I mean, that was, and that's bringing back around to your question, Brian. That yeah. was maybe, if you see the response when I wrestled Hogan for that surprise title switch on Nitro in Detroit, by the way, which is why I wrestled SummerSlam, ironically, and didn't win. <laughs> that Detroit crowd came on, when they realized that it was a title switch, they didn't expect it all. Mm-hmm. And man, you watch the crowd in the background, they came on. Glued. They did, yeah. I mean, that was probably the biggest response I ever had on a finish uh, as a babyface. So I, I was pretty hot as a babyface. Uh, that was probably my best babyface run there up until then. Yeah. It didn't matter that it took a title off me a week later at, uh, at the pay-per-view. I yeah. mean, that was a – I had a good uh, babyface run on the awards. And then transitioning to the Wolfpack, reunited with Sting. Mm-hmm. And we've always, both in our personal lives to this day as we speak, a special, special yeah. friendship. And people, I think, sense that when we were on camera together, and yeah. whether against each other or with each other, we, people always associated when him and I do appearances together now once in a while, the, the fan response is huge. They, people really like us together. Yeah. And um, kind of like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, for lack of a better thing popping in my head right now. So, um, yeah, that was that was the Wolfpack with Sting and I being there. And then Nash uh, obviously was such a big part of the bill, him going good guy, basically, uh, would end up with the Wolfpack. And then Conan gave it that uh, Rasa kind of coolness. Yeah. yeah. That cool factor. It, that was a special uh, group. Yeah. Uh, the, it ended up being the four of us mainly, Sting and Ed Motts and some other guys there for a while, but really the four that when we'd come out, probably my biggest, not a road warrior pop. Mm. <laughs> they have it, but when we came out as the Wolfpack, yeah. other than the road warrior pop, that was the biggest response I, I probably heard when we came out as a group uh, back then. Yeah. We almost could have maybe got a little more out of that, but that, that was huge. The Wolfpack it was a huge baby face uh, grouping. 
Oh, it was. It was very huge. Matter of fact, Ron, I just had action figures come out of Target, and I'm not promoting it, but uh, with a NWA Wolfpack uh, shirt, the black, uh, the red and the black. Yes. And man, I can't stop signing those when I do appearances for yeah. WWE or or if I go, and they send you out for fan react. I'm part of the WWE ambassador program. They oh, send okay, you out great. Comic, the Comic Cons. Yeah. Fun fan react. boy. They they come up nonstop with those. Action, those they, they love those Wolfpack action yeah, figures. I bet they, they do. They get them signed. Yeah. Yeah, that's so awesome. That, that was a meaning. That was a hot faction. Yeah. Back and when was that? Ninety eight, maybe. Ninety eight. Yeah. Ninety eight. Yeah. 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 It was. It yeah. Was, you're you're bringing it towards the end. Yeah. 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 So you later on went into TNA for a little while. And that was kind of a sting call and. Was testing the water. Was just kind was of my, giving... my life, and maybe started to come back together, which it hadn't. But okay. yeah. Okay, so that was just kind of a blurp in the screen, I guess. It was. I was never uh, negotiating with them or forever okay. had it. My life was such a train wreck in the my personal life by then. Yeah. I wasn't in the gym like I normally was. I wasn't focused on having any kind of rest. I was in a life and death struggle with with uh, all my bad choices at that point. Sting was trying to. Yeah. Maybe maybe help pull me out of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. He'd know better, but I, I they never talked about like bringing me in and okay. like to reignite my career at that point with with TNN. Some of my injuries had, had caught up me by that point too. Yeah. My I had bad right hip that was really hurting me. So okay, yeah, that was that was never meant to be like a career igniter. Okay. I always thought I could just reignite my career, but yeah, I I was I was in a bad way back then. For yeah. Sure. Well, I just remember seeing you in the uh, one of the TNA events, a DVD called The Asylum Years. You were in a few of those uh, matches and stuff. So I just yeah, a couple. Yeah, I did. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't a very long stint, but a couple more questions. One is, what is one? Of I your mean, f- Brian, for all intents and purposes, my full time wrestling career and my career is basically eighty six to one. I mean, yeah. that was okay. That fifteen years, I did a couple little things. Yeah, at TNA and a couple of independent things, but really my my career was over when WCW. Yeah. Uh, I never declared a retirement, but when WCW bought out, uh, I mean WWE, WWF bought out WCW. Yeah, WWE, right. I get them confused sometimes. Yeah, but when they when we got when we merged and got bought out, um, I had two years, two and a half years left on my contract, Goldberg and I. Mm-hmm. And I had way too much time, way too much money in my hand. I went down a total path away, so far away from wrestling mm-hmm. into a life and death struggle that really, my, that was the end of my actual like active wrestling career. Because after that, when my life came back together in a good way, mm-hmm. probably a powerful way, I, I had the spinal cord injury shortly after that, which obviously my career was definitely over then. So, right. yeah, 01 was really the end of my career, okay. at least from my perspective. Okay. In the ring, I mean. Right. I want to talk about your book a little bit, Wrestling with the Devil. Okay. Yeah. Tell, tell us how, what inspired you, I guess, to write that book? You know, everybody brings out a book, and I always kind of said, I'm not going to do a book. Everybody's always, they do interviews, and they're plugging a book on, on TV. And so I go, plus I go, I, I was good at math, but I, I couldn't write, I couldn't write a, a, a an English class, a good paragraph. Well, I could never write a book. Yeah. Well, I just, so I, it wasn't on my, my radar at all. I actually went to a company, a publishing company to do a speaking engagement. Mm. 
to share my story mm-hmm. of where I was, my wrestling career, the bad, the bad times, now the good times with, uh, and that uh, they, 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 they were, they're a big company called Tyndale out of Chicago. They did Tony yeah. Dungy's books and football coach, a lot of athletes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're a, a, a fundamentally, they do all kinds of fun, but a Christian based company. They wanted to bring me as a speaker to share my, my story. My, mm-hmm. And the Christian lingo, we call it a testimony. And yeah. uh, so they brought me in for my testimony. And a few months later, they called me out of blue and go, hey, we, uh, we love your, your speaking engagement had such an impact on our staff. They had a big manufacturing plant that did all their books there. So they had like a thousand people that worked for them at my, when I told my story there. Okay. And uh, they called me back a few months later and go, we want, to, uh, we want to do your story. I was wow. like, oh, wow, I'd never thought I'd do a book. I go, I, I can't write. <laughs> I go, don't worry about that. We we hire a writer. They come, they sit with you. They'll spend a couple weeks with you. You tell your story in a tape recorder. They write it down. Then we go over everything with you and make sure it's in what kind of words you would use. That yeah. gets post-editing with, yeah. with a publisher. And then you'll have your book. Don't worry about it. We'll walk you through it. So they did They did a great job. I'm, wow. I'm telling my story. Really did. That's great. So, yeah, I never thought I'd do a book, but there he is. Uh, you know, wrestling with the devil, the Rain Rune Redemption. They did, they did good, a good job of telling my story. They go all the way through my childhood, kind of like A and E did all the way through, but in more detail than the A and E special. Yeah. They did a really good job on it. Because I, 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 I certainly could have wrote a book. That's for sure. Uh, one more question. I know you work a lot with Nikita Koloff. Staying these guys. What are you guys I up do, to now? Yeah. You got some events coming up. I know. Some things going on with you. Well, I always do things with Stinger. We do events together and signings and hang out together. And we're such, such a great friendship. I'm so thankful for him. Nikita yeah. as well. He was a, a great mentor of mine when, when I got saved back in April 23rd of 06. He, he discipled me and taught me how to did Bible studies with me and taught me how to pray. And I was yeah. totally unchurched. I didn't know anything about anything about about the bible or how to pray or anything so mm-hmm. sting and uh nikita and god put so many great mentors in my life but nikita is a a big mentor for me mm-hmm. uh we ended up putting together these man camps we do mm-hmm. in the spring and fall where guys come and get away from everything for 25 guys fall 25 guys and in, in the spring and uh yeah. we love doing that we do we will a lot of times we'll uh uh, do some uh, speak at some churches together or at some corporate functions together. And uh, yeah, these, those guys are special and uh, I, I really enjoy doing it. I do, I do some schools. Okay. Uh, it's not all faith-based. I do. I'm an, I found out I'm a, that I'm not looking just out for myself. I'm an encourager. Yeah. I like to encourage others. So I go into speak with kids at schools and bring the belt in. They all love it. <laughs> they show them your wrestling. You give them a, give them a, a upbeat talk and, and uh, I go to corporate things and they always want me to kind of talk about adversity and how, how I overcame being a, like a world-class athlete to dealing with a, a, a permanent spinal cord injury. Mm-hmm. And they want me to tell me how, how adversity has helped me in my life. So I, a lot of corporations like me to come in and talk to their staff about that, of handling mm-hmm. adversity in a positive way. Yeah. And then, of course, I, I do the faith-based stuff as well. Yeah. We're commanded to share the gospel, Brian. So yep. I love every opportunity when a door opens for that as well, to speak at a church or 
a function on that, tell my story, so um, and share the good news. So yeah. that's kind of what I do these days. I, I still that's work great. for WWE. I'm an ambassador now. I'm into my second five-year deal, and they've been wonderful. Great. And they we do a lot of a lot of the bios for other guys. Up, they bring you in and interview you, or they come to you and uh, they do merchandise. They put us in the 2K games, and yeah, uh, yeah. just that, that's a lot of fun. I I love still. I'm very thankful. I still work with WWE, and they have me on on board. So uh, yeah, life is yeah. good, Brian. Yeah, I'm very, very thankful. Well, we're very thankful for having you on, and I appreciate it. I know uh, your time is precious. And, again, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lex Luger, sir, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Go out and buy his book. It's a wonderful story of overcoming a lot of adversity and how he's changed his life for the better, folks. And I'll have that information down in the description. So, Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, Mr. Lex Luger, thank you, sir, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Brian, thank you for having me on. It's, it is thumps and bumps, right? Bumps is it and bumps thumps. And thumps, or thumps? bumps and thumps. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. You did a great interview. And thank you. I, I appreciate it. Thank Th- you. Thank you very much. And, folks, if you're listening, All thank right. you. If you're watching, thank you. And if you do, please subscribe. We'll talk to you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is the Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Hey, guys, before we get started, I just wanted to read this commercial because it's an agreement that we made with a really great podcast, and I want to tell you guys all about it. Pro Wrestling Interviews, it features guests who are hot indie stars as well as the greats of the ring. Each week, you can join the amazing Velvet as well as Dr. John as they host this jam-packed hour of interviews, pro wrestling news, and entertaining guests. It's an hour you don't want to miss. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern, just go to ProWrestlingInterviews.com, and it'll take you to their Facebook page where you can get the custom podcast link for that week. Don't miss a second of Pro Wrestling Interviews. That's Sunday nights, 9 Eastern, ProWrestlingInterviews.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, pregnant. I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You getting ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts, 
and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts will include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hick, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive free content includes past interviews with huge names like Paul Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Richard Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Bill After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my... Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect is? Well, I'll is? tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was a hell of a champion. You know? Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill After, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do with this? Well, yes, but the whole thing is this, that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation radio network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. 